Hello there, and welcome to the Big Boss Book Club. Thank you for listening to the Big Boss Book Club. You can follow us on Instagram at Big Boss Book Club, Twitter at Big Boss 010, and on Facebook at Big Boss Book Club. Uh, you can support the show by giving us a follow on any of those social media platforms, uh, a review on any of the platforms that the podcast is available, such as uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and, and Google Podcasts, as an example. You can also subscribe to the show on any of those platforms as well, so you get the show sent straight to you on its release. Um, our link tree is also available on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it, and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello and welcome to this week's show. This week we are talking about the recently released movie, The Batman, which is the, I guess, latest reset of the Batman franchise. This episode will contain spoilers, so I am giving you plenty of warning and I'll continue to warn you throughout the episode when spoilers are coming up. What I'll do firstly though, it's just sort of have a little bit of a chat in terms of this moving. Um, so I'll start from a bit ago. So when I first heard that Ben Affleck was going to be playing Batman, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit sceptical. Uh, one of the reasons being that even though I, I quite like Ben Affleck in general, his showing his Daredevil was horrible, <laughs> um, which of course isn't really all his fault. I mean, you've, you've got to look at things like script and story and direction, and the, that film just wasn't a good film. But when he got his chance to bring Batman to the big screen, I think he did a great job. I think his showing of Batman uh, of Batman in Batman v Superman was kind of the take of on Batman I'd, I'd kind of been waiting for. So his overall look, um, his mannerisms, uh, the styling of the suit, the combat style to me was just perfect. Um, for me, this was a Batman who'd, who'd seen action, he'd seen horror, he's battle sort of weary. Um, I know a lot of folks disagree with me. They still kind of see Christian Bale as sort of the best Batman. And I 100% think there is an argument for it. Uh, but to me, his Batman was a little bit too clean, if that makes sense. Um, the fighting was with Christian Bale was very precise and it flowed so beautifully. It didn't really feel like Batman. Um, like... It, Almost like, almost this weird kind of intentional pulling of punches. Like he wanted you to, th- like, yeah, he didn't. He didn't come across as like he wanted to kill you, but kind of knew he wouldn't. That didn't really happen. But what Ben Affleck and and Zack Snyder brought to the table was was definitely that. I mean, a prime example again is the big warehouse fight scene in in Batman v Superman. I still think now is I saw saw a, a a meme online which was like if you had two minutes and thirty four seconds or something like that left to live what would you do and underneath it was a picture of the 
warehouse scene from Batman v Superman. It's like two minutes for thirty four seconds. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's that's probably me. Um, why am I talking about Affleck? Well, of course, uh, the Batman initially was supposed to be a standalone Ben Affleck Batman movie. So away from uh, Justice League and um, still in the same universe, though, it was going to be Affleck's chance to not only star in it, but direct. And I believe he was also supposed to be helping the script. So I've seen a couple of films directed by Ben Affleck anyway, and I don't particularly mind them. So the idea of him... Well, he's probably my second favourite Batman. More on that a little bit later. Getting to star and direct really gave me hope that sort of some of the errors that came from Dark Knight Rises could kind of be, you know, rectified and and a new a new Batman could uh, could step up. Especially when I heard they were looking at potentially doing like a noir style uh, detective movie as opposed to sort of your standard superhero movie. Of course, as we know. Warner Brothers DC, the films there, wow, they just things just keep happening, don't they? So Affleck left the project. Now in stepped uh, Matt Reeves. Um, he got his own um, stake in it, his own his own what he wanted to do, and his own sort of take on on the presentation that he was looking for. I didn't know much about Matt Reeves, had a little bit of a look into him. I didn't realise his credentials contained the Cloverfield movies, a producer um, on the last two and director in the first one. He produced a stint, actually, on the Batman cartoon series, the original, the animated series one. And he also um, directed Under Siege 2, which is quite cool. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty good. So with him, he's bringing in a new younger Batman in the form of uh, Twilight's uh, Robert Pattinson. Um, R. Pats, I'll be calling him for the duration of the, the episode, just because I find that nickname really funny. Um, a man who's best known for essentially being a sparkly vampire or a Quidditch player if you're you're into Harry Potter. Um, I've got to admit, I've never watched a film willingly with him in it um i have watched the harry potter films as part of a, a deal um i'm still kind of waiting to cash in on that's a whole nother story but to me i've always kind of felt like he was the new leonardo dicaprio in a sense of do you remember there was a time when all leo dicaprio was known for was romeo and juliet and titanic that's kind of how i felt this guy was going to be like until he gets that big role, like now, when you think Leonardo DiCaprio, you're thinking Inception, Wolf, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, which is a cracking film, and Revenant, you know, those are the things that you know and think about now. You don't really think about so much about um, Romeo and Juliet and Titanic anymore. And I believe that this film is is uh, Arpat's um, way to get to that sort of level where maybe we're going to forget about some of not necessarily forget but we're going to just look past some of these earlier films and we're going to move on <laughs> um because he recently started in tenet as well i haven't watched tenet yet it is in my list of things to do i've got it there in the queue to watch i just haven't had a chance yet to watch it um it's a, it's a bigger role, it's a more serious role, it's a big serious movie, it's got a serious uh, writer, director, serious cast. Um, so yeah, 
I think this is going to be for him um, that next sort of level. Uh, we'll go for a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll just talk about the uh, the film some more. Um, no spoilers yet, but as I've said, they will be moving forward. You have been warned. <laughs> we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So, uh, quickly, we'll just go over a few bits. So, who is the Batman? Uh, for those living under a rock, Batman is a superhero. Um, he's the alias of billionaire Bruce Wayne, created by Bob Kane. Um, essentially, Bruce Wayne's parents are gunned down in an alley in front of his very young eyes. He vows on the bodies of his dead parents that he would go on to avenge them and protect people from sort of the um, the criminal element that killed them. Um, essentially, he trains in martial arts and learns sort of the detective work and detective skills. And he puts them together with a, with a well-formulated plan and a giant bat symbol that he uses to scare criminals and becomes this vigilante. And with the... the, the sheer wealth that he has is able to put together a pretty good package of uh, gadgets and gizmos and uh, very cool vehicles um, very similar to the Punisher logo is my understanding so the Punisher's logo if Marvel superhero the Punisher's logo is essentially the initial idea of it was to be a distraction because it's over Kevlar body armor so the criminals will see the skull and shoot at the skull first. My understanding is the Batman logo was supposed to be something very similar. They would see the Bat logo and shoot at it, but actually the Bat logo is is armor. So it gives him the most protection. Um, I did read somewhere, I don't know if they ever mentioned it in this film. I don't think they do. There's this, this talk initially that the Bat logo was made from the melted down gun that was used to kill his parents, which I think is pretty, it's pretty harrowing, <laughs> pretty depressing, but actually pretty cool at the same time. So kind of using this weapon of death to keep him safe without killing people, which is kind of cool. Um, so uh, moving forward, Matt Reeves' Batman movie is seeing Batman entangling a, a few different people this time. We see Catwoman, the Riddler, and the Penguin. All going to be featured in the movie. See that from the trailers. Now, I think it's safe to say none of these guys are similar to the previous versions. So when you think back, you've got um, Catwoman and Penguin in Batman Returns, the Riddler and Batman Forever. None of these guys are going to be looking like that. So. Um, and actually, quite surprisingly, all three of these villains were handled under Tim Burton's run with the franchise, because he directed Batman and Batman Returns, but he was producer on Batman Forever. This time, the Riddler is portrayed by uh, Paul Dano. I'm really hoping that's that's how you pronounce his name. Who I'm not going to lie, I thought I'd seen him in stuff, but when I've looked through his like IMDb page, I've not seen a single thing there that I think I'd have seen him in. I think the only thing potentially maybe Looper. I don't think I've watched all of Looper. I think I've maybe only watched a bit of it. But apparently he's in that. 
that may be what I've seen him in. But I don't think I've seen anything else on this guy's um, uh, like you know filmography. His take is looking very different. Like looks very different compared to. I'll go into it a little bit more later, but the parody of the Joker that Jim Carrey pulled out of the bag in Batman Forever, where Jim Carrey pretty much just kind of played himself, like played Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, as uh, which is just a parody of the Joker for intents and purposes, just this laughing buffoon. Um, so th- this take is is almost um, like the mask covers his whole face. It's but he's like a serial killer. It's not a you know, he's not trying to rob banks and stuff. This is a, a different, whole different take on the Riddler. We get to see um, a near unrecognisable Colin Farrell playing Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. the Penguin, this time around. Again, very different to Danny DeVito's take. More in terms of uh, the comic book where he's a, he's just a gangster. He's an arms dealer. He's in sort of the the, the mob world not a um malformed baby that was thrown into a sewer by the parents so again different takes um may potentially be trying to make up for his awful take on bullseye if we're looking at the daredevil <laughs> link again um then of course uh, the delightful zoe kravitz uh, actually reprising her role as catwoman from the lego batman movie which I didn't even realise until I was watching the Lego Batman movie the other day and I needed to press pause because I needed to leave the room. And obviously when you press pause, it brings up who's in the scene. And Zoe Kravitz was there. I was like, oh, I had no idea she played uh, Catwoman. But that's that made me kind of giggle a little bit. We do have a really good supporting cast in this film. Andy Serkis playing... Um, Alfred, obviously he's known for playing Golem in Lord of the Rings, uh, Claw in the MCU. I mean, this guy's been in all sorts, to be perfectly honest. I was pretty chuffed when I heard he was going to be in it and playing Alfred. He, he he almost has the look for it, I think. Like, he brings a different style of look, but it almost fits. And I kind of like that. We've got Jeffrey Wright playing Jim Gordon. Now, that's some good casting for me. I love Jeffrey Wright. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything where I've gone, eh, I didn't think he did a good job there. He's, I think I've always sort of enjoyed him in anything he's done. So, um, And a little bit of a spoiler for No Time to Die. So if you haven't watched that, just skip over the next few seconds. But when he gets killed in that, I legitimately cried. And that's not easy for me to say. <laughs> um, Swall and all, we've got a great crew here, great cast here. It's hitting the ground, running with a real high bar straight away, just from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even just from a, a sort of high level, looking down on this movie, it's it's got every all the tools it, to be successful and be good. We'll go for another quick break now. We'll come back and we'll actually go through what happens in the film. There will be spoilers moving forward. If you haven't seen The Batman yet, I would probably give this episode a miss until you've seen it. (laughs) And then come back and listen to me. Uh, So we'll be right back. 
Hello, welcome back. Okay, so we're going to go into now what happens in the film. As I've already warned, this will contain spoilers. If you have not watched this film yet, I would massively recommend maybe not listening to this until after you've seen it. Um, so I'm giving you warning now. Okay. Okay, if you're still with me, I'm going to assume that you've seen it. <laughs> so the film kicks off really with... Um, the mayor of Gotham City, uh, Mayor Mitchell, being murdered in his home by a serial killer, or a person who will become a serial killer anyway, calling himself the Riddler. Um, the lead sort of uh, investigator, I guess, Lieutenant James Gordon, discovers that the Riddler left a message for the vigilante who's been operating in, Rack in uh, Gotham City for the last two years, the Batman, he brings him in to, you know, have a look at everything that's going on. The commissioner sort of rocks up to the scene, kind of says, I don't really like it. However, the commissioner is then killed off camera, which I actually thought was a bit, bit sad. Um, Batman and Gordon basically start their own investigation into the Riddler, discovering a thumb drive in Mitchell's car, which contains images of Mitchell with another woman. Um, hanging out at the Iceberg Lounge, which is a nightclub operated by uh, Carmine Falcone, or Carmine Falcone, whichever interpretation you want to go with. In this film, they go with Falcone. Um, operated by him and his lieutenant, Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin. Batman goes in in <laughs> great way, uh, questions the Penguin, who, of course, doesn't, doesn't know anything. Um, but this is where we can get to meet Selena Kyle. Turns out she's this woman's roommate. And they works there. And they sort of both work there. Batman follows Selena back to her house so he can find her. And then follows her when she goes to try and get the... Um, uh, her name's Annika, the woman's passport back. They have their interactions. And basically he... He tells her that she's going to help him. She goes into the Iceberg Lounge to try and get reconnaissance. This is where we sort of meet a new character, which is Gil Colson, who's the district attorney. He starts talking a lot of stuff about things that are happening. And of course... Um, this sort of uh, gives more information to the Batman in terms of what's going on. The Riddler actually abducts then Coulson as well. Straps a bomb to his neck in a very Saw-esque scene. Where basically this guy drives into this Mitchell's, uh, Mayor Mitchell's funeral. And then has this sort of bomb strapped to him. And a phone strapped to his hand. And a note for the Batman strapped to his chest. And obviously the Batman arrives. And they have this phone interaction. Unfortunately Coulson doesn't survive the... Uh, the, um, the the game, the test, I guess. Um, as essentially Coulson refuses to answer one of the questions that the Riddler poses to him because it would give away the name of uh, the GCPD's informant who led a... Um, who essentially gave enough information for them to uh, take down uh, Sal Maroney. Um, if you don't necessarily remember, Sal Maroney was actually in Dark Knight. Essentially, he's part of the 
he's kind of a rival to Carmine, but they're all gangsters at the end of the day. Uh, Batman Gordon deduced that the Penguin may be this 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 informant, and they uh, take him down <laughs> in what can only be described as probably one of the coolest car chase scenes I think I've ever seen in a film. Essentially, it learns that that Penguin's got nothing to do with it, and he didn't know who he doesn't know who the informant is. This then leads them back to the Riddler, who gives the the breadcrumbs, saying that there is uh, is basically his next victim is an orphan. They deduce it's uh, going to be Bruce Wayne. Alfred opens up a package at this time, and unfortunately, a bomb blows up and puts poor Alfred in the hospital. It then is leaked that Thomas Wayne, who was running for mayor at the time he was killed, somehow got Carmine Falcone to Falcone, sorry, to kill a journalist who was revealing embarrassing details about Bruce's mother, Martha. So this kind of then brings Bruce with the well. Bruce, I guess, was opposed to Batman. This moral idea of whether he's actually, you know, what's gone on because he's, he thought his dad was this great man and couldn't do any wrong. To actually find now he's he's been involved with this this gangster. So there's then conversations between Falcone, who kind of says, "Well, actually, I think." Sal Maroney arranged to have your family killed. He then talks to Alfred and um, he kind of indicates that he thinks Falcone arranged to have them killed. You never you never really get the answer to that question, which I'll go into in a little bit as well. We have more interactions between Selena and Catwoman and Batman as she reveals that Falcone's her, her father. She finds out that this police officer very similar to flash from from batman begins who moonlights as a sort of low-level enforcer for the mob essentially he killed like her friend annika and she gets batman and gordon to come so they can get the confession she decides they're going to kill him batman basically says no stops her but she then flees and goes to try and kill Falcone herself, Batman stops her in one of the coolest fight scenes, like single shot fight scenes. He's just walking down this corridor, this gun, oh yeah, I'll talk about it a bit, but I think it's wonderful. Um, Of course, they arrest then Falcone because he confesses to doing all these horrible things on on a recording that, that Catwoman has. They managed to get this leak to the press, the police, etc. They take him in. As they're taking him in, though, he gets assassinated. They find out that the Riddler has essentially been sat across from them the whole time in like the, the block of flats across the road from this uh, uh, from this nightclub, the Iceberg Lounge. They arrest the Riddler. Turns out he is Edward Nashton, a forensic accountant. And because he's nuts, they lock him up in Arkham, in Arkham Asylum, essentially. Um, 
they then have this wonderful interaction where Batman and him come face to face and they're talking. Essentially, he's he's. It, it, this is where for me, I think things start to fall apart a little bit. Essentially, he's a glorified fanboy. He just idolizes Batman and believes that they are like this team, but actually, they clearly they're not. Um, Batman then goes back to Nashton's home discovers that he's planted all these car bombs around Gotham designed to blow up and break all like the walls that are holding the river out. These, of course, all then go off and the city starts to get flooded. At this time, the new mayor is being sort of uh, sworn in. Well, not sworn in, but has just been elected. So she's having her like celebration deal kind of uh, jig going on. The plan then is that, yeah, yeah, I can say it kind of falls apart for me here. Essentially, he's been posting videos online, the Riddler, and he's now got these followers who are at this venue and they're ready and they're all like geared up looking like him. They've all got guns and they all start basically trying to kill like the mayor and various other people who are there. Batman rocks up in awesome style like this was the film hadn't had other than the car chase scene it had not had that cool batman crashes through the ceiling kind of moment and this is where it comes <laughs> when he cries the ceiling blow the blows up <laughs> and then he lands and just starts kicking the the crap out of all these um sort of cronies the obviously the Batman wins. It's a long drawn out fight. Catwoman gets involved. Gordon gets involved. Batman eventually wins. And he gets, you know, he, he notes that a lot of people are trapped in this water and there's electric cables flying everywhere. So he dives in and, and sort of helps save them all and get them out to safety. All while, of course, Nashton is watching on like TV, discovers his plans failed. But luckily, his next door neighbor, who we get to see briefly, is, is clearly supposed to be the Joker. You know, basically tells him he's you know got a, got a friend in him. <laughs> um, and the film ends with basically Selena leaving Gotham, and Bruce continuing his uh, trek as Batman to try and save the city so that's really it i don't want to go too much into it because i know that nobody likes spoilers not really i don't like spoilers even though i keep spoiling things for myself i did do very well at not spoiling this for myself before the film so i'm uh, pretty happy with that so that's basically the general gloss over of the film we'll go for a quick break come back and we'll go into my uh, positives for the film because i think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. I think this film is 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 cracking. So um, we'll go for a break and we'll be right back. Thank you so much. Okay, we're back. So um, let's go into some positives. This film, um, I think the best place to start is probably the cast. I know I already said it earlier, but the cast is incredible. I mean... And if you look outside of the the main people, got some some folks who sort of appear as 
peripheral characters. Um, not necessarily totally sort of main roles, but these people are still top notch. Got a uh, Rupert um, Pemry Jones, who actually plays the mayor, who's like the first victim, gets killed in like the first couple of minutes of the film. He was actually in the TV series Whitechapel, which I've, if you haven't seen it, I'd massively recommend giving it a watch. Sadly, cancelled way before its time. But I, you know, as soon as I saw him pop up on the cinema, I was like, oh, I know him. And I thought that's pretty cool. Um, John Turturro, which I think is how you say his name, as uh, Carmine Falcone, or Falcone, whoever you're looking at pronouncing it. This guy takes on a, a pretty serious role here. I don't think I've ever seen him in something where it's not comedic. So to have him playing a character that's pretty serious and pretty dangerous is is quite refreshing and quite nice, actually. We see uh, Peter Sarsgaard, who is actually in Dope Sick, along with Michael Keaton, which is kind of funny. Um, if you've not watched that, I'd massively recommend going and checking that out too. That's on uh, Disney+. Plus. It's also got Rosario Dawson in it, so you can't really complain at, at that sort of casting. We also get a brief cameo from uh, Jay Lacurgo, I think is how you pronounce his name. I'm sorry if that's incorrect. Um, if you don't know who he is, he plays Tim Drake in DC's Titans TV series. He, If you're trying to pinpoint who that is, essentially he's the um, the guy in the gang when you first see Batman, who they're trying to get to, to attack that the Asian chap. He ends up running away after the fight. I don't even think he gets a line if I'm honest. But yeah, as soon as I saw him on the screen, I went, I know who that guy is as well. So I mean, just little bits like that, little um, peripheral characters, so to speak. I mean, uh, Peter Sarsgaard um, plays the the district attorney who goes into, who drives the car in and has the bomb strapped to his neck. I know I didn't mention that, I'm sorry. Um, if I was going to be picking top two performances of the film, It'd be Paul Dano as the Riddler and Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon. Um, we'll start with Jeffrey Wright. This is the Jim Gordon that's been working with Batman for a bit. Clearly trusts him more than he trusts the cops around him. There's this scene where they're walking into the mayor's house and all these cops are just looking like, what is this guy doing here? But everyone's kind of like, Okay, well, you know, Gordon says it's it's okay, <laughs> so they just kind of let him roll in, which is uh, really really funny. Um, but this Jim Gordon is a guy that's clearly, you know, he's also in the same sort of thing where he's seen some action. He's he's just getting beaten down by the sea, and it's such a nice twist on what you usually see. Like Gary Oldman was cool as Jim Gordon. Um, and J.K. Simmons is pretty cool as, as Jim Gordon as well. But I think Jeffrey Wright is is great casting. Um, he brings a human element to it. Because if you think a lot of the film, you're mainly seeing Batman. So you're seeing the mask. He brings a human face to the detective work and the crime fighting element, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, so Wright really is the, the face of the investigation into the Riddler and trying to sort of unravel that that case and get the answers. And I think, I, you know, I, I said it before, this, this guy's pretty much just gold in anything he's in. 
um, and this film is no exception. I think where we really get a blowing up performance is, is Riddler. So this is a, a completely new take in terms of this character. We move away from the, the jungle of a voiced animated series, Riddler, who's this sort of games designer who gets you know, gypped. We move away from the Jim Carrey Joker impersonator from Batman Forever. And what we get is this combination of, 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 of different things. One of the big things for me was you see elements of, of Jigsaw from the Saw series, which is probably quite why I liked it. We do get a, a slight relatable part to Jim Carrey's Riddler. So Jim Carrey's Riddler was obsessed with Bruce Wayne. This Riddler is obsessed with Batman. So it's, I guess we kind of see a little bit of a crossover. The goal of this Riddler as well is to kind of take down corrupt system, which is sort of Gotham's, you know, governing body, so to speak, in terms of the police force and the mayor's office, the DA's office, which kind of ironically is what Spiral is trying to do in the latest installment of the Saw franchise, trying to sort of weed out corrupt cops. So again, you're kind of getting these little elements pulled from different facets of other movies and history of the character. Whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. The, the outfit, the, the mask, the jacket, the even to a degree, I think the glasses over the top of like the mask, they just make him look terrifying. And that first scene where he's just stood behind Mayor Mitchell, and Mayor Mitchell's just going about his business, and the Riddler's just stood there, and you can't see him because it's so dark in the room, but we see him as the audience. I was stood there going, wow, this is actually, um, this is actually pretty, not scary, but induces mild panic. <laughs> um, also, that rageful scream he does every so often throughout the film, when he just screams, like he does it when he attacks the mayor, he, he does it later on when when he's having the conversation with the um, the DA guy, Colson, he, like, he has this sort of, oh, this roar to him, and it's deep, and it's booming, and it's like, this is a guy that's got some deep-seated anger in there that he needs to get out. Um, but when he then, you flip it, and when he's finally unmasked towards the end of the film, he just looks so, I don't know, like, boyish like you almost instantly feel sympathy for him because he just looks so thick and plain <laughs> you know what i mean like this is the blandest fellow you'll ever meet but he's been like murdering like viciously murdering people also they i think something i did quite like about it was the the toe dip into sort of the the dark web you know he's essentially he's almost like a like a like a, like a terrorist he's like he's a school shooter he's a he's a online vlogger that's got a very niche market he's desperate for attention and all these things they're so much different than any other riddler we've seen up to this point um i think it's the message is to show that these types of people can be dangerous, whether you only convert him, you know, I think they said during the film, it's like 500 followers he's got, but there isn't 500 people in the end. There's 
there's only maybe about a dozen guys there at the end. So if you think if he even converts twelve people, that's a that's a dangerous thing. And you know, it goes to show the chaos and mayhem that that can cause, which I think is absolutely wonderful. Um, it is a little, it does fall into my negative how we sort of things at the end after it all goes pear shaped and nothing plans out, and then we sort of get the introduction of the Joker, who's in the next cell. We'll go a little bit more into that when I talk about sort of negative things, but yeah, like all the way through it, he seems very. There's this calmness, but there's this rage and there's this desire to to get attention and to give the answer. So it's kind of kind of cool. Now, Colin Farrell being completely unrecognizable as Penguin in this film, I didn't I wouldn't have known that was Colin Farrell without someone telling me. Um, I think it's wonderful. He gets to have some screen time in one of the coolest choreographed car scenes I, th- I think I've ever seen his lines are really good must have kind of been in his contract um, I can see him taking on that sort of scarecrow role like if you remember from, from Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises the scarecrow's in all of them it kind of has this sort of he's there but he's never the main problem and I kind of feel that's that's potentially what they've got here they could have Colin Farrell in every Batman film moving forward with Robert Pattinson in it, and it would just work because he could just play the Penguin and it would just work every time. And I feel like that's what he will become moving forward, which I'm kind of hoping is the case. Although he doesn't get much screen time, Andy Serkis' Alfred is, is gold. His lines were also pretty good. Again, must have been in his contract. Not the same type of character that we saw from like Michael Caine or um, uh, Alfred Goth, I think is the name of the Michael Keaton and the original run Alfred. It's not the same thing. We're seeing a different, a different Alfred. This this guy feels like he's not a father figure as much as he's a bodyguard term butler. <laughs> and the walking stick was a good look, but you don't really see that much of that. I'll really get any detail on why he's got the cane. So, I don't know. Maybe in the future, a little bit more screen time, a bit more backstory might help us. Now, of course, our Pats. Batman. I'm sold. Um, I didn't think I would be, but I am. He doesn't alter his voice like Bale did, which for me is a good thing. Like... Especially in Dark Knight Rises, like he seemed to really, really go for it, and it just at times sounded horrendous. But Arpas doesn't do that; he just kind of lowers his voice, and that's different. Very similar to how Kevin Conroy did when he did the voice acting, so you could tell the difference between Bruce Wayne and Batman because Bruce Wayne was generally just a little bit softer. Batman was very, I'm Batman. And it was like, hi, I'm Bruce Wayne. You know, it, it was good. Bale did this. Hi, I'm Bruce Wayne. It was, I'm Batman. It, it, yeah, it just sounded horrible. Um, so, yeah, I feel that he does a really good job here in terms of the, the walking and talking as not sounding horrific. Um, also, I didn't notice this before, but when he's staring at people, his eyes have a 
a big level of intensity about them. They, he, this looks like a guy who's ready to kill people, but it's never going to kill anyone. <laughs> Which again is what I was talking about a little bit earlier. I have read um, and watched a couple of reviews about the film where they said they didn't feel like he was really the star of the show. I kind of disagree. I do think he was the the Batman. Um, I mean, he's still at this point only supposed to be two years in, so he's still navigating those waters, and I think it kind of still shows. But something that did jump straight out at me was his chemistry with Jeffrey Wright and with Zoe Kravitz. I felt it was really, really good. They seemed very comfortable, very engaged. Didn't feel like they were just saying lines. It felt and came across as good. And talking about comfortable, his movement was good. Like, it was almost like he would be very, very stiff until it came time to act. And then suddenly he would start throwing punches, kicks. And his fighting style was more on par with Aflex as opposed to this crisp, clean uh, Casey fighting method that, that Christian Bale's Batman used. It felt a lot more in tune with sort of Ben Affleck's very rough, just keep hitting them until they, they don't get up um, style. So all in all, really, really impressed with with um, Robert Pattinson. We'll talk of re- briefly um, Zoe Kravitz. I mean, in the words of Ron Simmons, damn, I mean, we're talking on par with uh, Hannah John Kamen from, from Resident Evil. This woman is the embodiment of uh, sexy. She's tough as nails. She's sassy AF and fits the look of Selena Kyle from Batman Year One to an absolute T. Um, if I was going to have her contending with the other cat women, not counting Halle Berry, but Anne Hathaway and Michelle Pfeiffer, I think, by God, it would be tighter than the Catwoman outfits. It's, it's, it's that tight a race. The fact that she's unbelievably good-looking doesn't also harm things. Um, but don't let that fool you. She brings such a great showing in this film. Um, she isn't really a villain um, at any point. She's kind of trying to do good but she kind of wants the cash along the way, which kind of feels what Anne Hathaway's Catwoman's trying to do. She's trying to turn over and not turn over and leave, but she's trying to get a fresh start and doing these criminal activities to help her get there. So although she splits at the end, I do hope we see her in the next one if, if we get another one. Overall, in terms of pacing, I think the film's good. I enjoyed, I didn't feel like I was in a three hour movie. My backside felt like I was in a three-hour movie when I got up at the end. Um, <laughs> but the film kicks off, doesn't pull its punches. I mean, there's literally a brutal murder within the first couple of minutes of the film. They, they don't, you know, we're talking Transformers the movie, 19, you know, the cartoon. We're, we're talking that level of, we're just going to kick things off. I did like that we didn't get a backstory again. I don't need to see his parents get killed for the umpteenth time. We know how Batman became Batman. We just need to know that he's Batman and he's kicking some ass. One thing I will say about this film, it does really lean on that noir-style detective thriller, including narration. Um, 
and I felt that was wonderful. Like it gave such depth to the film. Like it felt good. Like um, very much in terms of like uh, Watchmen. So if you've never watched Watchmen, there's a character called Rorschach. He does pretty much all the narration. And it's this level of disdain that he has. This, I'm fighting, it's not making a difference, but you know what, I'm going to keep fighting. And that's kind of the narration we get. And it's so in line with what Rorschach does in Watchmen. It just, it just seems to, it brings out that noir you know, she walked in and she looked great, and you know, you get what I mean. It 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 really works. Um, like I say, in picking parts from other films, you also throw Saw in there, which in itself is actually a bit of a detective thriller because most of the time in Spiral, Jigsaw, the original Saw film, they're trying to find out who the killer is. That they're working, they work in the room, they're working the investigation, and it's that. It's, you've, it's seven it's saw it's watchman smashed into one one kind of film and they put a batman logo on it and it just kind of works um the film is mainly set at night or dusk dawn we don't really see much in terms of normal daytime which is kind of a given i guess considering this film's more about batman than bruce wayne um so I guess it makes more sense to have a more nighttime element, which so we see a lot of nighttime and a lot of rain in this film. <laughs> um, the costume, I mean, wow! I when I first saw it revealed, I wasn't. Again, will be a common theme with this episode. I wasn't struck. I thought, mm, I'm not sure I feel about this. The collar, the the lack of uh, covering around the mouth. I thought, ah, I'm not gonna. I'm just not going to get this. But actually, when you look at it as a whole body of work, it looks really good. Like the detachable uh, bat bat symbol, which again, we don't confirm if it's the melted down gun or not. But you know, it's supposed to be a batarang, not that he ever uses it as a batarang. But yeah, it's all armor. He's got the combat gear, like the combat trousers and the holsters for his gear. And it's, oh, it just looks, it looks so good. Um, even though he does have the 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 fins like the prongs on his arms, you, you're more focused on the metal bars, which look like they used to double up as like pieces of equipment and sort of fighting tools as well. As I said, the mask doesn't cover as much face as it used to, but it's kind of grown on me. The more I've seen trailers and I'm going to see the film, so I'm kind of on board now. <laughs> um, the car gosh the car uh again another one of them things i didn't know if i was going to be on board with it but boy has the film changed my mind that cast the car chase scene with him and the penguin is just awesome like it's so well put together and then to have this car look rustic look like this is a car that this guy he's bought some muscle car and he's gone to work tinkering on it and he's been working on this for two years and this is what he's got so far it's so good and it looks great and not like the you know the million dollar a pop tank that we saw in the dark knight movies or even the the more 
classic comic book look that the original run of films had, especially like Michael Keaton's Batmobile that looked like a missile and then eventually blew the sides off to become a missile. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think this muscle car with a big booster on the back just fits in perfectly. And I think, ah, I think we're going to see that evolve the more movies we see. So I'm interested by that. But I just really love the fact that he uses the booster and essentially the car flies through a load of burning vehicles to land and just knocks the penguin right out the road. Absolutely wonderful scene. I love how it ends. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this at any point, but um, Zoe Kravitz is in it and she's just straight fire. Um. Sorry, the uh, the short but impactful interaction between the Riddler and Batman is really good. Very similar to the interaction between Joker and Batman in Dark Knight, where it's kind of like you know what have you done, and you know rather than where is he and stuff like that. But I think what they did this time was they kind of flipped it, where they hinted for a minute that Riddler knew who Batman was, which I thought was wonderful because in the comic books he does know. He figures it out. But then Batman flips it on him and says, well, you may know, but you're not going to tell anyone. Because you know, if you tell anyone, then you knowing that is worthless. And Riddler's like, oh, crap, you got me there. (laughs) I don't want worthless information. I'm the Riddler. So actually, in order to make sure I've got that information and it's it's worth value, I need to keep it a secret. (laughs) So essentially, Batman uses Riddler's own ego to get him to keep his secret, which I think is wonderful. Um, but they hinted at it, and I even I was sitting there going, is it going to go that same way, where he, he convinces him, he's like, you're not going to tell anyone, because there's no point to you telling anyone. But then, of course, it, they, they, they flip it again, and it turns out he doesn't know he's Bruce Wayne at all, he's just a another imbecile. Um, we do get that little cameo from the Joker, now, I'll go into a little bit more in the negatives, but if we're going straight on what we could see, if they're going to continue with this almost hmm, slasher movie approach to the villain, then if they use that look of the Joker, you're going to have a really, really scary Batman movie on your hands. Like, really scary. Because that, that Joker looked intense. I think I'd be remiss to not discuss the soundtrack. They used Nirvana's uh, Something in the Way. I think it was great. I love that song. Not a film you'd expect to see in a bat- or hear, sorry, in a Batman movie, but here we are, and it fits perfectly. But that Batman theme, like I've saved it on Spotify, it is intense. And when it when he first walks out and they start and the, it starts playing, you're like, okay. It's it's go time. This is happening. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it works really well. Um, again, if we're talking fight scenes, I know I've already mentioned it, but the warehouse scene in Batman v Superman, for me, is probably one of the greatest showcases of Batman in terms of violence. The corridor scene in this film outside the elevator, I think is, it's not close, but it's 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 good. You just see the, the gunfire going off 
Batman is just walking closer and closer to the door and people are just getting their asses kicked. And I think it's great. The his scene where he debuts, where he first walks out as Batman for the first time, that is so good. Like again, it's this display of violence. It's like this is a guy that's gonna make you think he is going to kill you. But because you're not actually 100% sure if he's going to or not, you're still going to err on the side of caution. I think it's wonderful. Um, finally, I don't know if I've mentioned it or not, but Zoe Kravitz is in this film and she's she's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, you should see when I was writing the notes for this episode. I was just like, I've got to keep mentioning it. <laughs> it's, 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 it, I don't know. I find it funny. Um, but yeah, I think this, this, I don't even know where to stop talking positive about this film. I'm, I'm really happy with it. Um, so we're going to go for another quick break. We'll come back, talk about the few little nagging bits for negatives. And then we'll we'll go and look into some final thoughts and we'll, uh, we'll get out of here and let you enjoy your week. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. Okay, um, negatives. Not, not much to say. Um, <laughs> couple of bits. So, first thing is the there is a lot of crossovers with positives. So let's start with Batman himself. So our past brings us a great showing as Batman, as I've said, but not the best Bruce Wayne. Um, Bruce Wayne should be the perfect deflection from the idea that he is Batman. So he should be um, this, I guess, smiley, um, arrogant, cocky, charming, rich guy. He's supposed to rock up to the party with two Eastern European models in a Lamborghini and it's just, ah, it's just Bruce Wayne. And I think one of the things Arpats does here is he's really good at the dark brooding thing, but he kind of doesn't switch it off between Batman and Bruce Wayne. Even the scenes with Alfred, they feel quite combative, where usually in the up to this point when you have alfred and batman in a scene together like or bruce wayne in a scene together generally it's not the same thing it they're quite personable and they're very close there's kind of like a maybe a bit of banter there isn't really that here they, their interactions seem very uncomfortable and it's it's a bit weird um I think if you're going to look at, like, the good Bruce Waynes, I think Keaton, Bale, and Affleck are probably your best ones. So, I mean, I I was thinking of, like, some funny things that they all did or said. I think the best one, well, not the best one, but definitely one that jumped straight to my mind when I thought about Michael Keaton was the bit in the armory where it's like, it's Japanese. I'm like, how do you know? Well, I bought it in Japan. Do you know what I mean? Just these, like, deadpan moments that, that Keaton does. 
where, where he's so like where he has these bumbling moments where he's trying to talk to Vicky Vale and stuff like that. It's really funny. Bale has the bit where you know with the models, he's like, "Listen, I'm buying this hotel, and I'm just changing the rules about the pool area, you know." And it's this, it's this brash, it's cocky, he's, he's rich, he's throwing his money around. Um, Affleck has the the famous moment at the end of Justice League. You know, when he's talking to a recently returned Superman, you know, how did you get the house from the bank? It's like, well, I just bought the bank. <laughs> it's like, probably didn't need to buy the bank. He probably could have just bought the house, but instead he bought the bank. And it's it's this, you know, it's that. No one would think that is Batman, if that makes sense. Where I think. Our Pats' version of Bruce Wayne is more on par with Val Kilmer's. Val Kilmer was a very moody Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I don't think he ever smiled throughout the whole film. There's the smile as Batman when Nicole Kidman's character says that she loves Bruce Wayne and not Batman. But there's never... I don't think you ever really see him smile as Bruce Wayne. I don't think so. I might have to go check that. Um, so it kind of feels more on par with that but at least Val Kilmer had the almost a level of a joy you know because he was he was like trying to date women and stuff and he was still a bit cocky still a bit charming our paths just ditches even that it didn't necessarily feel as the best performance as Bruce Wayne. I mean, even looking at sort of Clooney and, and Adam West, it, their Bruce Waynes were good. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, our passes Bruce Wayne just is not great. And I hope in the next film, if they do another one, that that will be worked on a little bit. Because I think his Batman is right up there. Um, I did allude to it earlier. But I'll go into it in a little bit more detail. The sudden breakdown of the Riddler. Now, I kind of understand that. You know, when the criminal mastermind's plan falls apart, they fall apart with it. But again, this sudden turn at the end, he's, he's screaming, he's banging the walls, and then he's laughing, he's just, you know, and it, it, it felt, again, like we were going down this avenue of, they all seem to think that the Batman's bad guys are all the Joker. Just because they're all in an asylum doesn't mean they're all raving, laughing lunatics. It's just not true. Um, I always say it about Batman Forever. Tommy Lee Jones picked up his script and went, oh, wow, I'm playing the Joker. And Jim Carrey picked up his script and went, oh, wow, I'm playing the Joker. And actually, neither of them were playing the Joker. <laughs> so why were they trying? And it, yeah, it's it's a bit nuts. Um, it felt like the pulled a scene from Dark Knight in the um, sense of he is talking to the citizens of Gotham via video. And he he, he has the video and he's, he's videoed him killing the police commissioner and very much in power with what the Joker did with the uh, fake Batman copycat. It felt almost very similar to that um whether that was intentional or not i don't know but i don't know it kind of nagged me a little bit as much as i've praised that we've got a lot of characters here 
I said the same thing with Spider-Man. We've got so many characters, we, we almost lose focus. So Batman isn't really such a big worry because he's obviously the point of the film. But you've got Catwoman, Penguin, Falcone, Riddler, Joker. You almost lose some of the narration and, and points being raised because you've got so many characters on ongoing like ongoing. Um but saying that I felt like I needed maybe more penguin and less Falcone. I definitely needed less Joker. I don't think I needed Joker in there at all. I did really enjoy Colin Farrell's penguin though. So yeah. Um the lack of Alfred as well. Alfred's he maybe has two, three minutes of screen time. So for Andy Circus's paycheck, I'd be expecting a little bit more than that. <laughs> um, uh, the Joker, did we really need a Joker cameo? No, I don't think we did. Um, I think it took the spotlight off Riddler at a point where we needed to see Riddler break down. And <clears throat> I think the, one of the issues is being that there seems to be almost this competition of... Who's the next Joker? How do we get Joker in this? A lot of people enjoy uh, enjoyed Heath Ledger's performance as, as as Joker, but I always sort of panned panned it initially because I was like, well, you know, he's not Jack Nicholson, is he? And then when Jared Leto became the Joker, everyone panned that because it wasn't um, Heath Ledger. But you know, everyone's got their. Um, the likes and the dislikes, but I do feel that we could go a Batman movie without the Joker. I do feel we can do it. Batman Begins, he's mentioned at the very end briefly. We didn't need him. And his mentioning at the end essentially is homage to Batman Year One. It's the only reason he's mentioned at the end. They could have done a Dark Knight and never featured the Joker, and it would still worked. But again, They've introduced him. We'll see what happens. Uh, as I did mention briefly as well, the length of the film is like three hours, which is kind of fine because it you don't feel like you've been... When the credits start, you're like, no way has this been over like two and a half hours or whatever. But actually it has been. And your backside will feel it if you're sat in an uncomfortable Odeon cinema screen which is exactly what I was doing. So it's not so much necessarily a bad thing about the film, it's more the fact that I chose to go watch it in Crew Odeon, which doesn't have a single comfortable seat in the whole damn cinema. <laughs> so, but my car was in having its service, I didn't couldn't drive to a further cinema to go watch it there. Because, um, by gosh, I'd have done that instead. Maybe driven to Hanley or something and gone there. So... That's really it in terms of negatives. I, I, I really didn't. I really didn't take much away. It, again, it's more the Batman thing, or the Bruce Wayne thing, I guess. The the Riddler's declining mental state at the end of the film just makes me think they're just doing the same thing over and over. Um, yeah, you know, I, I feel. Um, I felt this film's good. So, in terms of negatives, it's more just nitpicking. I don't know how you feel. Drop me a comment. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, 
send me a message, let me know. I I didn't pick up much in terms of negativity uh, from the film, but again, I may be slightly biased because I'm such a huge Batman mark. <laughs> so we'll go for a quick break. We'll come back, get our final thoughts done, and then we'll uh, we'll leave you to the rest of your day. Be right back. Welcome back. Okay, so we'll, we'll round up. Um, great movie. I mean, I, I I loved it. I mean, for me, it blended some of my favourite things. Like, I love the Watchmen movie. I like the Saw franchise. And I love Batman. It, it turned into this great detective noir-styled film. Um, great casting. Uh, especially Zoe Kravitz. Um, our parts delivered as Batman, if not as Bruce Wayne, definitely as Batman. This take on the Riddler was really interesting and amazing. The theme music, the the, the Batman outfit, the Batmobile, um, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. <laughs> but the film is long. And it crams a lot of stuff into it, which results in not everyone getting the the screen time or development you probably want. The shoehorning in at the end of the Joker, like we needed it. I do think this movie, however, is a great starting point for a new series of Batman films. I think if Matt Reeves can continue with this run, I reckon maybe another one to two films. I think we've got a great series on our hands. Especially if we're going to just evolve things slightly and we're going to turn Batman into an almost slasher movie detective noir style. If we're going to have these types of films taking over this franchise is a styling moving away from the standard sort of superhero framework and moving into this different area and batman is the perfect person to do this gotham city is a cesspool and it's it's its own character and it allows for these things to happen so if, you know in the comics the joker is a a vicious killer, very sort of similar in Dark Knight. But what if you take the Dark Knight version of the Joker and you just turn that up a little bit? In this world, it would work, where he just kills people for because they're there. He doesn't doesn't need to be doing it for a reason. He'll just do it because they're there and he can, you know. Um. So I think we've got a great base there you know moving away from the cartoony over the top bank robbers to these you know like i said the horror movie slasher villain version instead um one thing i do want to touch on briefly the sort of message we get at the end of the film about batman actually making things worse i think we've heard it in a, f uh, a few times before and especially in the comics, 
where they say, you know, in this instance, Batman's been doing it two years, but actually crime rates are up. They're not down. So even though there's more crime and Batman's out of doing his thing, actually, it's, it's not overly helping. The message at the end where Riddler's, uh, Riddler's crony calls himself vengeance, which, of course, is the first line we actually see our Pat say as Batman on screen. So not talking about the narration, an actual line. It, it's the idea that he's inspired the Riddler and has inspired these people and their existence is due to him. And it's been alluded to in the comics before, but it's nice to see that there's finally acknowledgement of this on screen, which I think is quite cool. I don't think there's anything else really worth talking about. Um, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman was great. Um, the film itself was really good. Let me know what you think. Um, Big Boss Book Club, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's going to be it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, again, if you've got any thoughts or feelings, let me know. I love this film. I'm I I I, I put on Instagram. Um, my one sentence review of this film is: "Our Pat's is the goddamn Batman." And I'm gonna stand by it. I think he's he's uh, gonna be the Batman for me moving forward. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Big Boss Book Club. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm Big Boss. I'm out of here. Peace.